Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and hands-on learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. My name is Sylvan and I will be your host. Today we're back in Silicon Valley. We will talk to Alex Fries for a second time about the topic, what are the jobs of a startup CEO? We will also talk about how you make a lot of noise for your startup, meaning creating PR buzz, media attention, and so on and so forth, because Alex is so talented at this that he can, like, I think he's the best person to actually talk about that. And then we also talk about how your job actually transitions from early to later stage, and when it's actually also time to leave your company as a startup CEO and founder. I'm sure that you will find this episode helpful because Alex is talking from first-hand experience, not only as a serial entrepreneur, but also as an investor. And there are so many cool stories that he adds to the, to the episode today that I'm sure you don't want to miss this out. So before we get started, also make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook because there is always additional content to the episodes that we actually release here. So make sure to follow us there as well. Enjoy today's episode and we're looking for your feedback. One more thing before we start the show. Clara.ch is the ecosystem for SMEs and startups. Clara takes over all administrative work for you. Thanks to automatic communication with government agencies, tax authorities, insurance companies, and banks, you will gain valuable time for your core business. The fully integrated offer of Clara combines the most important needs of a modern small business. Whether administration, accounting, marketing, or sales, all modules build on each other and are available in a single application. Visit clara.ch or the Swisspreneur website for the free special offer for startups. Alex, welcome back to the second episode of Swisspreneur. It's a pleasure to host you again. Thank you. Today, we're going to talk about jobs as a startup CEO. And my first question is, what mistakes do you see Swiss startup CEOs making repeatedly when it comes to their job? Yeah, there's, uh, there's a few. Uh, the most important one is the sense of urgency again. You know, when you have a good idea or good product or a good team and things are going well, you should really accelerate the, the go-to-market. Mm-hmm. You know, you may be already in the market, but you may want to accelerate that. And... Uh, it's easy to say, of course, right? But uh, how, how do you feel when that moment is actually coming? It's always there. That's the thing I'm trying to explain. Okay. It's always should always be there. Mm-hmm. You know, every time you go to bed at night, you have to think, shoot, I have to wake up tomorrow and just kick some butt because uh, we're moving too slow. You know, and there's others that will say, well, if you move too fast, you are not focused. You may do mistakes, but you know. You have to get out there and you got to do everything. Nothing is going to turn out the way you planned it as a startup. Nothing. Everything takes double the time, double the cost. And, uh, you know, the only way to find out that quickly is by accelerating everything. Absolutely. So from your perspective, you've been startup co-founder yourself uh, very successfully. What are the jobs of a startup CEO from your perspective? Yeah, it depends on which phase you are in the company, but unfortunately, mostly at the beginning is fundraising. You're constantly fundraising, and it's such a pain. 
and then it's a strategy and hiring the right people. That takes a lot of time. You need to have the, uh, an amazing team around you so you can delegate and, and focus more. Or you, or you have to on the fundraising or on the, um, on the strategy, you know. And the, the CEO is the best salesperson in any company. So unfortunately, again, he has to go out, make the first few pitches and get those first few accounts in. And um, that's his job initially, you know. And always keep an eye on cash, which is extremely important. Sure. Keep as much cash as possible in the company and use it for growth. Do, do you have any, any hacks how you did that in your companies to, to have a successful cash management as CEO? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one thing that the Europeans do better than the Americans. They're very careful with cash. They plan very well. Unlike in the U.S. where there's no planning. There's no cash flow planning. It's like, you know, as we go, they start spending and opportunistic. Uh, so that's what the Europeans are good at, I have to say. And they, they start early enough fundraising. Uh, unlike here, they have a, you know, a week before they go, oh, crap. <laughs> We better start fundraising, you know, we're running out of cash. So, yeah, so that's... But, but somehow this model seems to work because you, here you also, as you said in our first episode, you as an investor are also competing with a lot of, like with many other investors, basically. Mm -hmm. So if a startup that is still promising but might have a, a cash liquidity problem, they might still be able to, to raise around in such a short amount of time. Oh, yeah. I mean, a few examples here. If... If you can demonstrate uh, traction and growth, they will throw money at you. So you don't have to worry about cash. You don't even have to plan it. You know, we're going to come and say, you know what, you're doing so well. You're finally so large. Why don't we uh, take advantage? Here's another five million. You know, hire another sales guy, another biz dev person. Because you have the funnel of potential clients. You know, why, why, why let the competition steal them? So go for it. So that's one thing. That's, that's a big advantage here, at least. You know, so we, we as VCs accelerate. Uh, well, we give you more cash for it. Now we talked about the early stages as a startup CEO, mm -hmm. hiring, fundraising, and getting the first sales in. How does the job of a CEO evolve over the later stages of the company? Mm -hmm. The later stage becomes more like a big company, as you know it, managing people, people's problems, you know, um, uh, growth into other markets. You know, you have to strategize. You have, you have a bigger board. You can handle that. You have investors. You have to handle them. So um, it turns more into, uh, yeah, more like a, a real management position. Mm -hmm. So, and, and then the fundraising, right? I mean, the rounds get larger. Right. which is more work because you, you need to have more documentation. You talk to different kind of investors, right? We are more cowboy. You know, we go early in. You have nothing almost, just a PowerPoint prototype. But a B round, you have a lot of stuff. You have traction. You have, you have 20 people. So we have to look at each of them. Is, are they good? Are they bad? Change this guy, change that guy, or compliment here or there. Yeah, so that's how it changes. When we met in Zurich last summer, you mentioned that you as a startup CEO made a lot of noise. Mm -hmm. Can you explain us what you exactly 
meant by this noise and how other people, startup CEOs, can actually learn from, from you in that regard, yeah. how to produce noise? Uh, I mean, I'm a marketeer from background. So, and one thing we have to always clarify with Europeans, marketing does not equal PR, right? <laughs> Believe me, if I say do better marketing, immediately they think PR, immediately. And uh, as we all know, marketing equals a four piece, right? Which includes PR. So that's just to make sure everybody understands. And then making noise like the Americans do. Everybody knows about American startups or specific ones because they're in every analyst report, in every map you see from CB Insights or Gartner, there's a little logo of that company. Uh, you go to a trade show, they make noise, you know, any way they can. They issue a press release for anything, mm-hmm. right? Like new product re- uh, release from version one to version two, uh, new hiree, entering new markets. So I took all that experience I learned here with Fox, and I made so much noise. I mean, people thought we, were, we had a marketing department of 10 people. It was just me and half another person. And we got inquiries from Tahiti, you know, like little islands that, because we made so much noise. I made sure we're in every magazine, every map, every analyst should know about us. They may not put us on the square, but they knew about us. And uh, we were also always part of the competition, you know. Right. Uh, and, and that's what I mean. You, you have to spend time doing that because it's very unfortunate that Europeans come here with great technologies, customers, they're profitable. No one has ever heard of them, ever. And that's actually really bad. Bad, really because sad. VCs are not going to give you money. Yeah. So who the heck are you? So, well, you can say, well, we're profitable. So, yeah, well, anyone can do that. You know, just cut, cut the burn rate. But uh, you need to get your name out there. Really important. Do you have a favorite activity that you did in order to really get your name out there to make some noise that you can share with us? The press release, simple thing. Mm-hmm. Now you talk to, a, I have a company here run by Germans. They issue press releases, but who, and they're in the healthcare space, right? Where do they send those press releases? To the medical magazine of PhDs, you know, of uh, Bayern or some crap. I mean, who the heck reads that? No VCs will read that. Uh, money managers or PE funds. So what we did, what I did was I, I issued my press releases and I sent them to all my competitors, all my investors or potential investors, everybody. Every news media I could find, and you can buy these uh, reporter databases. Mm-hmm. Everybody, from Australia to Chile. Uh, and so on and so on, right? Uh, so everybody needs to get it, and that's what we did. And uh, you know, it takes time, but it works. It works out. Sure. You have to be, you have to be part of the, of the language. Mm-hmm. When an analyst who got paid ten thousand dollars by my competitor uh, says, "Well, um, some of their competition is," you should be there. You know, that that that's when you you know you're part of the. You made it in the group. Absolutely. What aspects of a startup CEO job did you not like? 
um, dealing with investors and fundraising. That's, Why not? It's really a pain because they ask you sometimes for things that take a little thing may take you two hours of your day. And uh, it's just a waste of time, unfortunately, you know. But you have to understand investors, not their money either. It's somebody else's money. So, you know, we have to be careful where we invest. Sure. Uh, but that's some of the biggest thing. And then, you know, managing people. You know, if you're not too sensitive, I'm not too sensitive, unfortunately. And someone comes to complain about, about some ridiculous issue, then... You know, I have to spend time and blah, blah, blah. So, but with time, you hire an HR VP. Right. They handle that stuff. But, <laughs> but de dealing with personal issues of people is, it's uh, as, as a CEO of a startup where you try to grow, 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 yeah. it's kind of painful. But also part of the job. It's part of the job. It's needed. You have to be sensitive, sure. you know. But you, you encountered that a lot in Switzerland and in Europe, right? You know, they need to leave at five, they have to go to their dinners, they have to do their sports, you know, and we're one day before release and, you know, I need you to stay longer, you know, and, and, and that's when it comes, are you committed or, do you, or is this a job for you? Right. I think this is a very important but also pretty sensitive topic. Yes. Because to a certain level, you want to work your employees as hard as possible and as hard as you do, probably. As, as a founder, you also have bigger stakes, on the other hand, which yes. the regular employees, they might have share options or are in, in somewhat uh, owners of the company, but not as, uh, as a high percentage as you have. Yes, so correct. having the same work assumption for, for them is also not a pretty fair deal. Yes, that's true. And, and in Europe, as you know, stock options are still, people prefer cash bonuses or something. So, but, you know, but what I try to say is, is the motivation of making out of this little bottle a big bottle, regardless if you're a founder or not. Right. How cool is that? That you worked in a company that this became the standard of the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, damn. That's better than a salary, man. Huh? So that, that goes beyond the salary that you get. It's the meaning of the company, sort of. Yeah. If you have... Creating something. If you have the hunger for the company, right? Yeah, and you, say, you can say, hey, I was part of this success story. You know, my product you can find in China now, thanks to me, or partially thanks to me. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. That's better than making money. That's what motivates serial entrepreneurs, really. It's not the money, right? Do you see differences in that regard between the U.S. and, and Switzerland or Europe in general? Yeah, here, here I mean, Americans want to make money, right? So, but because they want to make money, they don't care that 1% of the company or 10, they just go for it, you know, okay. day and night. And, uh, and yeah, the, the life work balance is not as attractive as in Switzerland, mm -hmm. right? But, uh, yeah, it's the way it is. Absolutely. Before, we were also talking about managing investors and fundraising as a CEO job of a startup. Mm -hmm. Do you have any recommendations how a CEO could successfully manage his investors? Yeah, uh, I would recommend that you are extremely well organized because investors ask the same questions, more or, more or less, right? Even in, in round to round, mm -hmm. it's the same questions, just different numbers. So uh, inform everybody 
I hate in these VCs that say, oh, information rights are only for the big guys, the big investors, the ones that have more than 10% or 5%. It's so stupid. If I give you a dollar, I'm an investor. Let me know what's happening. Sure. You know, otherwise, I will call you and bother you, and it's your time. Absolutely. So be organized, inform every investor, any that gave you money, and uh, your life will be much easier that way. What would be a good way of communicating to investors? A monthly reporting or what would you feel yeah. comfortable with as an investor? I, I like monthly reportings. Uh, most CEOs don't have the time. So they're going, uh, I still have a few that do monthly, but okay. most of them are doing quarterly. Okay. I like monthly. Sure. Because quarterly, you know, my mind is in between, it's gone in different other cases. And then I have to remind myself, oh, what happened to this guy last time? And, so monthly keeps me very fresh. And what should this report say? What are you looking for? Just basic stuff like new customers, all the KPIs, new customer, new partnerships. And uh, I always put an ask what the investors should help. I think always. that's a very good point. I, I, I never see that with the Europeans, you know. Tell me how I can help. Tell me, are you looking for somebody? Or do you need more money soon or when? So I like to see how much cash is there, what the burn rate is, so I can calibrate myself and keep reminding them that you have cash for four months or two months or one month. Yeah. And you better to set the expectations yeah. also. Because right? they don't have time, they don't think about it, you know? Yeah. And suddenly there's no cash left. Absolutely. Then you said that investors asked the same questions over and over again, round after round. Mm -hmm. What are these questions? What should startup CEOs prepare for? Uh, well, all the numbers, obviously, you know, um, all the numbers are important. Uh, we like to ask, we make a lot of introductions. So we like to, like a proactive follow-up. Mm -hmm. If not, we're going to ask. Do you talk to uh, Procter & Gamble? Yeah. Uh, and then we'll ask, what is the next action item? Right. And then what happened? We keep asking until he tells me we lost it or we won the deal. You know, and if it doesn't come from the CEO, it's another email, another call you have to pick up. So be proactive. So that's important. And again, all the numbers, right? It's how much cash, burn. Uh, I get a lot of calls from companies about uh, strategies, M&A, mm -hmm. you know, or hiring person X, not the one my opinion on. Um, and then they hire him. And so we ask, how is it going with this person? You know, we're paying him a lot of money, a lot of equity. Is he performing or not? So, yeah. If he comes from the CEO, it would be uh, easier for him. Makes uh, also a better standing uh, yeah. towards the investors. Yeah, that's right. Do you see startup CEOs using any tools or do they ma mainly use Excel to do the reporting and to do the probably the, the yeah. investor communication or are there any CRM or reporting tools that you see that are working well? Yes, some are some are very well organized. Everything digital, Google Docs, you know, everything is links, no attachments anymore. Um, uh, yeah, so yes, uh, I mean tools, specific tools. I don't know, but I would say anything anything in the cloud yeah. works very well, especially where you can always go back without permission or because I have the credentials. I go in and I can see for myself what's happening. You know? Sure. Does that also give you a better, you know, feeling as an investor if everything is so well organized? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's great.
It's and the Europeans do a great job there. Okay. I have to say, no, it's 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 very cool. Yeah. The third job you mentioned as a startup CEO is hiring, hiring key people, hiring a great team around mm -hmm. them. Do you have any recommendations about how to tackle this task? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, uh, engineering is tough, right? You don't you don't want to hire engineers in Silicon Valley. That's that's definitely a no. Um, because too expensive? Expensive and even worse is there's no loyalty. Okay. Right? They'll stay a year with you, they'll vest 25% of their options, and then they go to the next startup. And like that, they build a portfolio yep. of stock options in different companies. So if you're a good engineer or an engineer, you know, it's, why not? Yeah. So I'm lucky our CTO is not in Silicon Valley. Yes, <laughs> they will steal it. I have startups here. Amazon came and offered the guy double his salary. Crazy, yeah. yeah. Competition, so, and he left. Yeah, yeah. sure. But it's hard to say no, so don't don't do that. And um, then again, for Europeans, I highly recommend an American in sales or marketing, but for the global business, mm -hmm. not just one sales guy. I'm talking about chief marketing or chief sales guy right. for the entire business. You know, uh, I highly recommend that, and there's plenty around. And then the rest, you know, in Europe you find, and find those that are not looking for a job that's well paid because you don't have the cash. Uh, those ex big company guys are not good either initially, until B rounds or C rounds. So they're not hungry enough. It's for them, it's just a job. Uh, so make sure it's some passion behind as well. Passion beats salary. I think that's a very nice quote that we can use. <laughs> How did you go about that? How did you find these people and where did you find these people for you two your two companies that you successfully yeah. sold? Um, mostly through word of mouth. Uh, in some cases, we went through LinkedIn and poached them, basically called them up. So you had a proactive approach there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You poach them, you meet, you meet him for lunch, you know, you try to bring the passion to him or to her and then uh, yeah, win him over. Is this also something where you see European or especially also Swiss startups are not proactive enough? Yeah, because they don't think it's doable. Yes. I mean, that, very few Swiss will actually poach somebody you know, and call somebody, hey, you know, I, I saw you are a great whatever, marketeer, you want to come over. So it's, come, it's not in the culture, I think. You know, some do it. I mean, I've talked to headhunters, they barely do it. It's ridiculous, those guys. I mean, they wait for mandates, then they go and look. I told the guy, why don't you just proactively start poaching people, you know? I mean, that's your job. What do you do the rest of the day? You know, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah but it's hard. Huh? It's, it's hard to find good people, especially now when the economy is so well. Yeah. This unemployment is very low. It's a battle for talent, basically. Yeah. So I, I, I say hire the over 50. Mm -hmm. because they have the experience. Of course, not if the guy says, oh, I used to make 200,000, right? No, but there's a lot of over 50 willing to, to work like, like an entry level if they have to, mm -hmm. for the passion, for the opportunity. And so don't complain, you know, finding good people because there's plenty of them, or, f or get one straight out of college, you know, if, if, uh, if he wants to take that risk.
but they have to be hungry and be burning. For They're hungry usually, but you have to train them. So okay. it's, it's your time. Yeah. You got to train them, model them, you know. They're very ambitious, some of them, so they think already they're better than everybody. So you got to stop them. It's, it's, it's effort. And then over 50, it costs you more money, but the guys, they know how things work. You know, you don't have to teach them ethics or how to communicate with, a, with another person or something. Do you actually have a company or several startups that use this model successfully, where probably bit younger entrepreneurs or founders work together with more experienced and older people? Yeah, here is very common, right? Here you will see uh, startups with a mix of white hair guys and, and very young kids. Already at the early stage or does yeah. that come at later stage? Okay. Usually that, yeah, even usually the technical guy or the inventor is older. Uh, not, I mean, in Europe even more so. So in Europe, it's the inventor is older and he hires younger. Here, the younger ones start, but the higher older. So it's kind of a mix, but it's, it's a good combination. Yeah. Then now assuming that fundraising and getting the first sales in and also hiring yeah. are all managed pretty successfully by the startup CEO, what can he or she do to set him or herself, but also the company up for later success? What should the organization structure look like? How should you delegate stuff? What can you do to ensure a successful company if you have managed the first you manage three? all that? Well, you're, you're pretty on the road to success. I would, I would say don't, ov don't overhire or keep your burn rate as low as possible because you're going to have the temptation to grow, especially if I give you extra cash. Right. You're going to have all this cash in the bank and you're going to go, oh, I can hire this guy, oh, I'll hire another secretary. The secretary needs a secretary, you know? That's what happens in big companies. So keep the cash, the burn low, uh, be very strategic, and uh, yeah, and go for the, go for the growth in a cheap way, but yeah. How, how do people, how do founders resist this temptation? How do you keep them disciplined to stay focused and on track and not spending too much money? Uh, that's, that's the job of the board, okay. really. That's what the board needs to keep a close eye, you know? And, um, and, and that's why good board members dif differ from bad board members, you know? Mm -hmm. Some companies hire a board member because of their, their, their name, reputation. Right. I say, well, the former CEO of Novartis, that guy, man, thinks in different numbers. Sure. You know, when you say, let's do a marketing campaign, he's thinking of 20 million, 50 people are gonna do that. In a startup, you have uh, 10,000 bucks and two people, so different proportions. So mm -hmm. you can bring him in when the company starts to grow. But until the B round, you have to get other entrepreneurs, more cowboyish mm -hmm. kind of people, mm -hmm. you know? So, but the board keeps an eye on, on all that. What does an ideal board structure look like for an early stage startup? How many people should be in there? What should their background be? What should their roles be? Yeah, I mean, I know Switzerland is different, but here, uh, usually two founders, uh, two investors, and one neutral person. So five, okay. it's kind of yeah. ideal. Cool. Yeah. And then it grows a little bit, but, but, but here they don't, we don't pay them. Not even with shares? Some stock options, okay. but that's it. Yeah. If they don't help, you know, nobody makes money. And they have to vest those shares too. It's not that they get them up front. So 
in Switzerland, we have one company now. They pay them already cash. And now in the last board meeting, they said, you know, the CEO wants to double the salary now. And I go, shit, I mean, you're a startup, you know? And you, you make 10 million in sales, which is not bad. Absolutely. But, you know, you're not making 50 or, or so. Don't, don't, see now the mentality of, oh, we're making money, we have cash, let's start, you know, giving out. That's wrong. That's also very dangerous. So I go really mad, you know, I really go mad and tell, that's not the right approach. You know, once you start making 50 million, yeah, you can give some, but. Do you have any favorite management tip for startup CEOs? Like something maybe also based on your own experience that you learned the hard way? The hard way? I mean, my, my, my favorite is the, those that listen. Uh, they don't have to take our input, but listen, mm -hmm. think about it, and then decide. Okay. There's a lot of them, I've lost companies because the CEO has been too stubborn. And he thought he was, from A to C, the man, right? Mm -hmm. He knew marketing, sales, development, production, everything. And then, you know, then you pissed off the investors and we said, look, there's no point dealing with you, so we're not going to help you. Goodbye. Right. We still have our investment in there, but we don't waste our time anymore. Sure. So uh, be humble, be thankful someone gave you money, uh, listen to everybody, and, and that's my approach. This is also, so if I understand that correctly, a startup CEO also has to play different roles or has to have different faces. Because in one way, should be humble and, and proactive and open for feedback and input from the investor side. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, also should make a lot of noise and probably oversell, mm -hmm. which seem to be a bit different roles from my perspective. You think so? No. I mean, making noise is part of the job. Sure. Being humble and thankful, and, and it's part of your human behavior. But making noise is part of making the company a success. I mean, you're not lying, right? You're just telling the world that you are better than everybody else and they should buy you or invest in you. Absolutely. That's, that's the whole purpose. You know? But from my perspective, you know, a, a humble person, yeah. of course, this is a personal oh, characteristic. Oh, humble in that respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that's more like, from my understanding, more, you know, more quiet, more calmed down and everything. And that is a bit a different role than Yeah, no, you can be humble, but still be hungry to success. Absolutely. Success, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it goes hand in hand, I think. My last question for this episode is, when is it time for a startup CEO to move on? Because if your company grows and you started it as a founder, you were CEO in the early days, mm -hmm. most of the times this first CEO is not the right CEO when the company is actually you know, had a very good growth and is like a very, very mature company right now. Yes, that's true. When is the time for a startup CEO to yeah. sort of step aside a CEO and take a different role? And what should that role yeah. be? I, that's a good question. And not just for the CEO, sometimes the so-called chief marketing officer of that initial startup. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a case now where we think that person is not the right person to grow globally because they did a great job with in their home markets, but now they're going to China, India. That's a different marketing DNA, right? So, and the CEO, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those. I'm, I'm great at starting from nothing to A or B round, mm -hmm. but then you need a former IBM guy to take over or, you know, like a corporate person. Uh, and some, some good CEOs 
they know that themselves and they say, no, it's time. I'll be president or chairman. I, I focus on strategy, hire a CEO. Sometimes the board again sees this guy is not, not the right one anymore. So you find a solution. And uh, yeah, very seldom you get fired, but, but it happens. And I would say a third of the time or more even, they stay all the way. I mean, Swox, Placepan, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of my startups are still the same people. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. So it, it can work, but it's... It works, yeah. It works a lot, quite often. It's if you surround yourself with great people, which goes back to the other thing, yeah. right? Then it, it works. Because you have such good people around you, you don't have to worry about, you know, uh, marketing that much or fundraising. You have a CFO that's perfect. This team, I know it's, it's very like industry and, and case specific, but how should this team look like to have the strong team that you're looking for also for later financing rounds? How should the team be yeah. set up and split you're, you're, up? You're CEO, you're a very strong CTO. A lot of people like this technical aspect, mm -hmm. like an architect CTO, and you need a fantastic um, CMO, marketing officer, great CMO. And if I like a strong biz, business development person more than a salesperson, mm -hmm. I like biz staff because they're a little bit more strategic, okay. right? Also, more like partnership focused, too. Yeah, partnership and areas, markets to enter. Mm -hmm. That's the role of a biz dev guy. Yes. A sales guy just takes what you give him. And if he has a good mouth, he will sell it. If he's a nice person, whatever. But a biz dev has to think company-wide. So I like biz dev people. Um, and then as you grow, you definitely like, uh, well, you have your sales people, a, a VP of customer satisfaction, customer retention, customer anything that's very important Absolutely. right because the customer needs to stay with you yeah. right that's one of the kpis we always ask right sure. oh you have 100 members how many come back every month huh? if yeah. nobody comes back then something is wrong right? so that's about a five person management team yeah cool yeah, yeah. cfo i don't think you need from day one mm -hmm. maybe in the a round you can start thinking okay. but you can outsource that you don't need that Right. Uh, sales, you should have a sales guy, obviously, but uh, I would start with a biz dev person. Mm -hmm. A marketeer who does positioning of the product, pricing, the four piece, right? Yes. Not just PR <laughs> and a lot of noise. Yeah. Yeah. So you have that cover, you have the CEO, that's fundraising, funding, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the face of the company, and then you have your technical guy. Absolutely. That, that's ideal. I think that's a great success model for upcoming startups yeah actually yeah. you know they, i have a slide where it says if you want to make it big you need to have your these four vps in place mm -hmm. and it's an it's a u.s slide right. and all the four are customer forward-looking executives mm -hmm. they don't mention not even the cto is there you want to be successful you have vp of marketing vp of sales uh, VP of business, VP of customer satisfaction, yes. VP of whatever, you know, but it's all customer centric, forward looking. If any startup founders are inspired by by the talks and the inputs that you just gave, how could they get in touch with you if they want to show you a highly interesting case? 
Oh yeah, please, please. We have a brand new fund. Uh, was was still fundraising, so if anybody has money, uh, but either through LinkedIn or even better, my email address, um, which is af at alpana slash bin or bindestrich slash uh, alpanaventures.ch. Awesome. Alex, it has been a real pleasure talking to you today. Thank, Thank you. you for all the great stories and insights. Mm -hmm. And I wish you lots of success with your new upcoming fund Thank and you, yeah. all your startup investments. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Today's episode was brought to you by SBB Startup. If you think that your startup or your idea is a good fit to the Swiss Railways, get in touch with them at sbbstartup.com. It doesn't matter if you're an already established company or just have an idea, the dedicated team behind SBB Startup is here to help you and to evaluate the good fit to the Swiss Railways. In order to contact them, visit sbbstartup.com. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. We hope you liked our conversation with Alex. And if you did, we would be thrilled to get your rating on Apple Podcast. I'm already here to announce our next week's episode. We will start something new, something exciting, I hope. We'll get a bit more interactive, meaning you can hand in your questions every three weeks from now, and we will answer them in a Q&A session with one of our experts out of our network. So you might have already seen our posts on social media where you can actually hand in your, your topics and the questions that you have issues or need support or just want to learn more about. So make sure that you also hand in your questions that we can insert them to our Q&A sessions with our experts for next week's episode. Stay tuned for this very new format and we hope you like it. As always, we would appreciate your feedback if you see that we can do anything better or if something's missing. Don't wait to reach out to us because we're really appreciating all the feedback that's coming our way. Until then, I hope to see you again next week, but have a wonderful day until then.